we acknowledge the Wajuk people and the wider Noongar community uh, on whose country uh, we do our zazen and conduct our ceremonies of New Year uh, tonight. Uh, may the voice of the Buddha be present in uh, activities uh, and indeed uh, words themselves tonight. Welcome, everybody. Uh, this is wonderful to be able to meet like this and sit together again after what seems like such uh, a long time. Uh, I'm really glad that you have made it through the, um, uh, the bleary gates of uh, changing years and and all of that, yeah. Hot, uh, well, uh, as we say in Zen, stop bothering the heat. Um, it's all right. Uh, uh, just that heat uh, all through. It's no news that this last year has been a time of profound change and uh, of the uncertainties provoked by change. Uh, this has made it harder uh, for us to plan uh, because we don't know what the scenario will be even a month from now or in some instances even a day from now. Paul Wilson recently reminded me um, Paul, um, of a gentleman riding a bike, I think, and on his uh, what was it, on his on the back of his jacket. Can you tell me what it said? As you reported it to me, everything is temporary. That's right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's great. Appreciate, really appreciated that story. Um, but yeah, uh, it's beautiful when it's put like that. Everything is temporary. Yeah. yeah. In terms of anything that we say uh, about the uncertainty of the future, um, and indeed, I think, uh, you know, even though in Zen we talk about the present moment as being all-inclusive, it also includes the sense of uh, a future. And I think that with the pandemic, uh, that that's been really shaken up, that sense of a future, and that difficulty in planning, um, which we take so much for granted, um, I think has been uh, shaken up. But this is not just about us. The fact is that we are permeable to what is happening in the rest of Australia and in the world at large. What happens elsewhere actually matters uh, here. It really does. Interdependence is at the core of our reality. 
I am because you are, you are because we are, we are because who we are is determined by our mutual dependence. We are all in this together um, and none of us is high or dry. As Robert Aiken put it so well, nothing lasts and we're all in it together. One benefit that may flow uh, from the pandemic um, is that closed off as we have been, uh, we're encouraged also to deal with what is close and to pay attention. Um, in some ways this might mean living a little bit more simply, uh, finding meaning and enjoyment in life as it immediately presents itself. Um, rather than pressing towards fulfilment of our desires and ambitions in some place or time in the remote future. Um, as it is, we gather in this moment as this moment. Enlightenment is personal, but it is also in common and shared. It's also Sangha. Uh, we travel the Bodhisattva path together as people. Um, Bodhisattva has this wonderful sense of uh, <coughs> um, already enlightened, uh, getting enlightened, um, enlightening others. And that whole mix is all there in uh, each of us. Um, like this we travel the Bodhisattva path. Uh, <clears throat> by the way, unburdened by those concepts. Yeah. Uh, practicing an awakening uh, amidst the passion and suffering of the world. Well, that's good to know, but I don't know where else we could be doing it uh, anyway than right here and now. Uh, there's a wonderful uh, Bodhisattva story, um, and uh, I was thinking of the council and the role that, uh, they, that has kept the council has uh, kept the group um, on track uh, through uh, its planning, through its care uh, over the last couple of years. It's been really, I think, though it, we've been lightly touched by COVID here, it's still been uh, a challenging time, and I hugely value what the council. Uh, has done in its different manifestations um, and the care and love and the sense of creating safety uh, for the group and all of that is something so there's a great story that goes along with this um, it's uh, the story of uh, Isan Dorsey uh, one of the, his stories it's mythical but it's uh, and uh, um, he was um, a gay man, uh, entertainer, uh, singer, dancer, male prostitute, discovers Zen Buddhism at San Francisco Zen Center with Shunru Suzuki, who becomes his first teacher. Um, loves the practice, falls totally in love with the practice, and also the, the, the 
challenging stuff like work uh, that goes with it. He was completely into work. Um, and meditation practice in one aspect for him was tidying up, um, cleaning up, you know, saying, this, what am I doing now? I'm cleaning up, right? Uh, and he developed the Maitri Hospital for, for men dying of AIDS and he was in charge of that and uh, he had a team with him. So all this is necessary background for the story um, here which, which follows and it says a lot about the Bodhisattva uh, path. Yeah, his teaching name was Isan. One bright afternoon, Isan was walking down Hartford Street towards 18th with Steve Allen and Jerry Berg. Steve and Jerry were talking about possible legal structures for the hospice while Isan lagged behind. He noticed a bottle lying on the sidewalk and bent to pick it up. The bottle was rather beautiful, so he took out the rag that he kept neatly folded in his monk's handbag and began to polish it. Suddenly a genie appeared. It had to be a Buddhist genie, a Bodhidharma look-alike, with a shaved head, droopy ears, and a bright robe. The genie looked at Isan, and Isan looked back. Steve and Jerry turned around to see what was holding Isan up and stopped dead in their tracks. The genie spoke the time-honoured script of genies. Because you have freed me after many lifetimes of being cramped up in that goddamn bottle, you, yeah, I guess all three of you get one wish. It's just one, so you better make it good. Steve didn't hesitate. <coughs> he asked to be released from his karma and entered nirvana. As he was about to raise his palms in Gasho, poof, he was gone. Jerry thought to himself, that was powerful magic. I'm going for it. I'm not getting any younger. So how about a great life in a heaven modelled after Palm Springs, <clears throat> but without the humidity? Endless pool parties, rafts of handsome men, an eternal nosh that never made you fat. As he smiled and waved goodbye, he disappeared too. The genie turned to Isan, who was left standing alone. The genie said, Okay, honey, it's your turn. What does your little heart desire? Isan didn't hesitate. Get those two numbnut girls back here. We've got a hospice to run. Here's a Bodhisattva story. <laughs> Love the story. You know, Zen has its magic, but the dailiness of it um, is the centre and the core uh, of the practice. Uh, we practice regardless. Ours is a regardless practice. With committed practice over years, you can transform your life into one of greater inclusiveness, greater heartedness, and greater ability to be present in difficult circumstances.
There are no free rides, though. Our attempts to avoid suffering often occasion greater suffering, and that's vividly shown in how denial about the nature and magnitude of the pandemic and delay in dealing with it, which parallel similar delays in dealing with the climate, the climate crisis. In the Diamond Sutra, at the end it says, all things are under the law of change. They are a dream, a phantom, a bubble, or a shadow. They are like dew or a flash of lightning. You should contemplate like this. That expression, you should contemplate like this, is very interesting. All things... beautiful expression. Everything is temporary. Uh, all things are passing away. Uh, you should contemplate like that. Maybe not attaching uh, to what is there, being prepared to let go and enter the, the moment in its fullness, whatever is there then. So in terms of the moment, let's be there for it, uh, or better still, simply uh, be it. The core of silent illumination is just that. Uh, that moment is exactly you. Not just silent illumination, by the way. Life. In these regards, Sashin and Arasar Senkais are immensely important. They make possible, in terms of deepening, what sitting alone uh, surely cannot. Uh, we are so fortunate here in this group, many of us have been sitting for so many years together, that can't be um, invented. Uh, and, uh, to come into this and to be able to sit together um, is uh, incredibly rich. It's beyond words. Having said that, your practice begins when you leave the dojo, as my friend Richard Ratajak used to say. Use the myriad opportunities that the day provides to come home to the immensity of just this the Dharma of just this. Uh, when walking around, uh, touch your thumb and your forefinger uh, together. Uh, it's a, a wonderful and unobtrusive way to come back to the fullness of the present moment. You can feel the energy jumping between your thumb and your forefinger. Uh, touching? Not touching. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that jumping energy sets fire to inside and outside. Uh, with this inside and outside uh, are one. Uh, actually without this inside and outside are one. But this is a reminder to come home, come home, come home, come home. 
In terms of coming home, I fervently hope that Mary can be here to co-teach our March session at the Epiphany Centre. I want, to take, I want to thank Mary for her teaching as it is currently expressed through Doksan, Sazenkai and Everyday Zen and by March hopefully session as well. It's such a powerful and fruitful, fruitful contribution that she makes and it's great to be able to share the teaching of the way here in Western Australia with her. I want to thank the council um, for their careful planning and hard work uh, ensuring as far as it is possible our safety and our viability as a group. Without their efforts, we wouldn't be sitting here tonight. Uh, to council members, thank you each and everyone for your contributions. I'm proud of who we are and what we offer. Uh, the Zen way with its power to enlighten and transform. It's not a quick fix. Like love, it takes time. How long have you got? In terms of the ocean of the way, elephants can swim in it, gnats can wade in it. <laughs> and in terms of the community, all are welcome. Thank you for your attention. Uh, let's have our ceremony for welcoming uh, the new year. I should say thank you each and every one because it's not just council but every one of you who contributing to the group. Thank you. Please sit comfortably. It's not Kathy Shields at all. It's Mary Ridwin Roshi. And here she goes. Gosh, I had hoped this year I would not still be commenting on the pandemic that was just starting to make its way around the globe two years ago. Yet the words of a friend who I told about my inability to meet with you are ringing in my ears. Getting into WA is more difficult than getting into anywhere else in the world. Later I told Ross what she had said and he joked about how we used to be able to go anywhere we wanted, even to Serbia via Iceland if we wished, I said to him. Actually, we still can. I'm having to write this in advance to send to Cathy to read to you. As I make revisions today, it is becoming increasingly possible that following the Novak Djokovic debacle, Australians may no longer be welcome to fly to Serbia. It's only WA that I can't get to from here. And what a wise move keeping your borders closed is proving to be. Before including this anecdote in here, I checked to see that if it was in fact true that we could fly to Serbia and Iceland, and indeed it is. It's expensive, 
but doable. On the other hand, it makes me realise how much we had all begun to regard as normal our unsustainability indulgent lifestyles. The way we could fly anywhere we wanted, be able to eat food or enjoy flowers out of season, because we can fly anything around the world from winter to summer, cheaply enough for us to buy them at the supermarkets. We started to take for granted luxury that was unimaginable a couple of generations ago. And here in this wealthy nation, most of us live like kings and queens in comparison to our not-too-distant ancestors. So how are we doing? Chances are you still worry about the same old things as ever. Am I safe? Am I loved? Am I good enough? Most people worry about these things to some extent, but we are fortunate to have sought out or stumbled upon a path that helps us to realise that our usual human anxieties are something we all share rather than some personal peculiarity. What distinguishes us is that we are a Sangha. We share a path to help free us from these concerns. A few days ago, I was talking to someone I don't yet know very well, but we walked and talked for three hours, and she told me that she had taken up Zen recently because she was living alone in a foreign country. And while she had done several retreats before emigrating here, and knew that mindfulness and meditation helped, she had been feeling lost. Some friends told her that she needed to find a Sangha, so she did. Now in the embrace of a community of people who didn't take themselves too seriously and who were helpful but not intrusive, she was able to settle down. Sangha is one of the three treasures, the other two being Buddha and Dharma, of course. But Sangha is particularly pertinent right now. We have seen great fractures in the community along ideological lines recently between vaxxers and anti-vaxxers, climate activists and those who believe that technology can save both us and our economy, and so on. So much of who we believe we are is tied up with our thinking, and we look for like-minded people who think like we do. Interestingly, these ideological differences occur within sanghas too. What I have observed, however, is that in the spirit of curiosity and don't know mind, this does not generally lead to fracture. We know that we are not our thoughts, that the self we protect so fiercely is actually a fiction. But hey, it's often hard not to spring to the defence of some belief we hold dear, such as vaccines protect us and others and we should all get vaccination if we can. 
in order to protect others more vulnerable? Can we maintain our care towards people if they do not agree? We can. It is possible. Whether we will is up to us. This is one of the blessings of Sangha. Anyone who has been a member of a Sangha for a long time will probably have experienced a number of arguments and rifts over the years. But those of us who are committed to this practice are still here, and there is something precious about the bonds that develop between people who do not always agree about everything, and who may have very different views about various issues, but who graciously support each other along the way by serving on council, taking on leadership roles, editing newsletters or the journal, The Wobbly Pot, reading this talk on my behalf, reaching out to someone, or just turning up to sit regularly. This is real practice, practice embodied in action. Over this past year, the second year when I have been unable to come to WA, so many of you have continued to support Sangha members in Perth and elsewhere by participating in online events, sessions, zenkai, and council meetings. This has necessitated doing things at odd times to accommodate time differences and doing things differently, adapting the rituals of the dojo to fit the demands of Zoom. And you have done this with such grace. Actually, it's probably a really good thing we can become very used to having things done a certain way, the way we always do it. I remember when I attended one session where the teacher, not a Diamond Sangha teacher, moved all the cushions randomly and we all found ourselves sitting in a different spot. I don't know how other attendees felt about this, but I remember being enraged for days. Yes, it was a great session. There is nothing like fury for energetic zazen. You have also had the great good fortune of having Ross Bolita Roshi there with you in person and willing to take on leading session alone if necessary, in addition to zazenkai and regular Thursday evening sitting. I'm sure that you will join me in expressing gratitude to him for the extra effort this entails while I am unable to travel there. A big thank you to Ross. Often when we are comfortable and everything is plain sailing, our practice can seem a bit dull. But we live in interesting times and it is clear that none of us knows how this pandemic will play out whether it will just gradually become less virulent and morph into a mild flu or do something else completely. We also know that we are experiencing ever-increasing temperatures across the globe and this summer it has been WA that is experiencing colossal fires as we did here on the East Coast in 2020. If we know anything now, it's that we don't know what happens next. So Happy New Year. This is a wonderful opportunity to enliven our practice. 
freed of the illusion that everything is under control and going according to plan. We are free to just sit. We, don't need, we do not need to try to do anything, just be present to whatever arises. I miss you very much, my fellow Sangha members, after almost two years of being unable to join you in person. I hope that this year we will be able to meet together, but who knows. In the meantime, sitting regularly and being kind seem like the way to go. They are always the way to go. May you be peaceful, happy and light in body and in spirit. May you be safe and free from injury. May you be free from anger, afflictions, fear and anxiety. So now it's from here. On behalf of all the Sangha, thank you, Ross and Mary. You both so generously encourage and guide us along the way, cheerfully navigating all manner of twists, turns and boulders during COVID-21 to make sure the Pony Express always gets through, enabling us to sit together, have regular doxan and attend session the three tenets of being Zen students. Your talks, Taisho's, and Ross, your books, also give us so much. Regarding this occasion of opening a new Zigwe year, when time is uppermost in minds, I'm reminded of your theme in The Crow Flies Backwards, which you say is, the timeless immensity of this fleeting moment which gathers in the limitless past an unimaginable future while being not other than each of us, equally timeless yet transient. We gasho to you, Ross and Mary, and to the living presence of 2022 tonight. New Year. Perhaps in one way or another we may relate to Basho's haiku. As the year ends, I find I'm still wearing my bamboo hat and straw sandals. Basho, absorbed in his wandering, is oblivious to the cold winter of Japan upon him. In his posthumously published book, The River of Heaven, Aitken Roshi comments on his relationship to this haiku when he writes... Though the bell is ringing for Zazen in the dojo, I find I haven't even changed into my robes or combed my hair. I've been too absorbed on my computer. As the years change into each other, the last and first days become a bit of a blur with our tongues stumbling over 22. Like Aitken Roshi and Ross Bolita Roshi writing books on computers, Heat waves have had us in the shade of home, absorbed on, online, with setting up calendars, checking COVID briefings, and checking the future, which is now the 5th of February. Fortunately, 
we can also become absorbed in the cool waters of online Dharma podcasts and articles. The line still wearing my bamboo hut and sandals intrigues me. Being at one, or being heat and cold, as Ross said tonight, was Basho's experience, as Aiken Roshi read it, and was the prompt for the haiku. But I wonder about still wearing the bamboo hat of who we think we are, and the straw sandals of walking well-worn ruts of habit patterns into the new year. Tonight, we become an ancient temple, and after my words and kinhin, Paul will invite the shijo bell to sound 108 times. It's when our heart enters each resounding tone while acknowledging our slips on the path in 2021 and resolving intentions for the path in 2022. As we know, 108 is a sacred and mystical number which weaves its way through science, multiple beliefs, mythologies and the human body. However, I won't revisit the significance other than to say that traditionally Buddhists list 108 delusions and that all over Japan on the 31st of December, the large Jeyo no Kani temple bells and small Butsudan bells at home ring out 108 times. Here, in a timeless echo, we ring the Shijo bell. We know the Shijo as the Jikijitsu, or Jiki's bell, to signal the beginning and end of our rounds of Zazen. Faithfully and patiently, it hangs from its wooden stand with its sloping shoulders, which some say represent the shoulders of the Buddha. And some also say that when reverently invited by the Jiki, its resonant sound is the voice of the Buddha, settling us home. Our rather small bell has a huge history, dating back to the earliest clay clapper bells of Neolithic China, or to conch shells and bones used in chimes tens of thousands of years ago, including among our First Nations people. In ancient China, bells were used to summon ancestral gods and ward off evil spirits. And as centuries passed, highly sophisticated bronze bells evolved far earlier than in our cultures to be used as musical instruments. They had sets where there were two tones on each bell, a third of a mile, a third between. But they were also very precisely made and were measures for volume and weight. Large imperial court bells became very fashionable and well preceded the religious bells of Taoism and Buddhism. For our bell, we offer gratitude to Robert Aitken Roshi, who carefully carried all of our dojo's Japanese instruments on the plane with him for Zigwa's first session retreat in 1985. I expect he carefully pronounced the name Shijo as first tying it to its stand. In Japanese, the kanji for Shijo has a number of translations 
and among them, supreme, arrive, proceed, reach. How wonderful in the fleeting moments of its voice. We supremely arrive, proceed, and reach. Our Shijo Bell is quite a wayfarer, travelling from Japan, Honolulu, Perth, and it's even met the challenge of a, a bad fall when it suffered a crack. With heavy hearts, we thought all was lost and took up the very Aussie gas cylinder lid, which you sometimes see uh, Andrea uses in Zazenkai's. We took that up as it was found as a good bell by Jilly Coote in Sydney and recommended by Aitken Roshi as our replacement Shijo bell. But many years passed, technology moved on, and our Japanese bell whispered to us in its cracked voice, we have Herman to thank for boldly taking it to a friend who miraculously repaired it just a couple of years ago. It's such a joy to have it with us again. As we're about to begin Kinhin, before we sit with the 108 sounds, let us drop our shoulders, relax any tension in the body, so that after Kinhin we can fully receive the teachings of Paul inviting the voice of our Shijo bell as it helps us arrive, proceed and reach the timeless, the endless. <laughs> 